Hi, I'm Jerry Oliveri, and this is the final episode for Season 2 of the Digital Dialogue Series from the Order of the Golden Rule, a podcast by, for, and about the independent funeral home profession. Our theme this year has been, What's Your Edge?, as we focus on how you can develop and leverage the edge you have over your competition. In addition to their own specialties, several of our guests this season have also mentioned the experts at Veterans Funeral Care and how valuable their training has been. For our final episode, we're speaking with Jim Rudolph, founder and owner of Veterans Funeral Care about how you can learn to speak veteran and prove that you're ready to serve those who have served us. We bury the secrets of those metal racks every day in national cemeteries all around the country and no one ever tells the priest, the pastor, the wife, the mom, it's pitiful. From knowing the difference between a captain in the army and a captain in the Navy to how to read a DD-214 form Jim will unlock the mysteries behind this often misunderstood demographic. Stay with us. OGR's Digital Dialogue Series is brought to you by The Dodge Company, the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of preparation room supplies and an OGR-endorsed supplier. Learn more at dodgeco.com. That's D-O-D-G-E-C-O.com. Welcome to What's Your Edge? I'm Jerry Oliveri, and I'm your host today. Our guest is Jim Rudolph with Veterans Funeral Care. Hi, Jim. Glad you could join us today. My first question usually is, how, why, and when did you become a funeral director? I started working in a funeral home in coastal Florida. When I was, when I was 17, I rode my 10-speed there and cut the grass and washed cars. And... I remember like it was yesterday that I think it was when I got my driver's license, the, uh, the funeral home owner called my mother and said, uh, if you get him a suit, he can work funerals this summer. And I mean, you know, my mother and my grandmother thought this is the coolest thing. Our, our son is going to make something of himself. So getting that $89 suit from Sears earned me the right to stand out in the parking lot in July and August and uh, park cars, you know, during, during Florida summers. So, uh, but, but what I, in all seriousness, what I, what I will never forget was I noticed that, that the people would hug and shake hands and really love on the funeral home owner and his wife. And uh, I saw that as a, as a really uh, spoke to me as a Christian, that it was a, a, a ministry. And, and that's really what pulled pulled me to funeral service. My aunt did hair at a local funeral home. Next thing I knew, I was 18 with a job at a funeral home too. (laughs) I mean, I had a lot of other reasons, but you know, it it was kind of interesting. Um, So I might have this like incorrect, but I'm going to ask it and then you can clarify. Was it when you were a funeral director, your dad and a principal, uh, you know, had some meaning behind the name Veterans Funeral Care and its purpose? Yeah, I'll take those one at a time. My father uh, was 11 years old on D-Day, and because the men in his in his life were all just, you know, attached to the news for what was happening in Europe, um, my father became a fan of the 101st Airborne because they were, you know, they had jumped behind the Germans 
on on D-Day. The story of Band of Brothers is the story of the 101st Airborne. Um, and, and that small group uh, came forward, as all good funeral directors know, and, and they took the guns away from the Germans at Breitbart Manor that were killing thousands of our guys on the beach. So I was raised in, my father lost uh, his lung in the army. He got tuberculosis. So uh, they took my dad's lung out. And of course that, that injured career, but I was still raised in a, in a house where it was army, 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 everything. I mean, if honestly, if, if Patton was on, if Tora 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 was on TV, we knew what we, we would be watching TV that night. Um, and, and if that wasn't on, it needed to be a Clint Eastwood movie. So that was, that was definitely my dad. And then, yeah, accidentally, you know, when I was a senior in high school, uh, when I was a junior in high school, our, our assistant principal was a really squared away guy. But like every other 17 and 18 year old, you know, I saw him as being the principal and I was a good kid. I was a popular student. Um, I did not know at that time that he was, uh, he also was a, was a D-Day uh, 101st Airborne veteran. And uh, after I opened Veterans Funeral Care, I got a call and it was from him. And he said, well, I, I saw that you started a company called Veterans Funeral Care. And uh, he said, you did it. And I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said, well, I'm a veteran. If I died, would you do my funeral? And I said, it would be an honor. And it wasn't until him and his wife came in to do their prearrangements that I read his DD-214 and saw that he had a distinguished flying cross and a purple heart uh, and a POW. Uh, he'd, he'd actually crashed and survived a, uh, a glider landing. And uh, they survived that and were taken prisoner of war. And um, so yeah, that was, of course, it wouldn't have meant anything when I was 17 or 18, but mm -hmm. as a man, understanding as an adult what that meant, very big deal to me, yes. So that leads me to my next question. How difficult is it to learn to read the DD-214s, understand the ranks between the different branches, and then the, address the veteran or soldier correctly? <laughs> well, I don't think it's that hard, but um, I guess, and again, I got to give my father some credit for this because there was just an expectation, you know, with my dad, we, we understood that a Sergeant Major was a big deal. Uh, and, and so it's not, to answer your question, it's not hard, but the military does try to fool you. They try to fool civilians. Um, a, a captain in the Navy, if they get promoted, they will be an admiral tomorrow. But a captain in the army, if they just got promoted today, yesterday, they were a lieutenant. So the, the military does enjoy fooling civilians. Um, a lieutenant is, a, is, it's better to be a major than it is to be a lieutenant. But if you are a lieutenant general, that's a three-star and a major general is a two-star. You would think it would be the other way around. So they're- Yeah, like my son is in, um... ROTC Navy, he, and he's already uh, signed his commitment papers, but he's been doing it since he was 12, he's 21, and it's backwards Navy and Army, the way you go up and down. That's right. I'm, I'm always like, wait, where, how many stripes am I supposed to be sewing on? What, <laughs> why is this first class and not? It's so confusing. Does he memorize all this, or it's just because he does it so often, he understands it, and then now you clarify you're with your dad with the high expectations. I'm like... 
that's a lot of colors and names there and ranks. And you know, I don't give me too much credit. I mean, I came into it I, when I started Veterans Funeral Care 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. I I knew that I could speak veteran because if you're raised around it, um, you just pick up words and you pick up acronyms and you pick up ranks and and you know that if you know if we're going to go to this party at Colonel So and So's house, you don't address him. Mr. Davis, you address him as Colonel Davis. Um, and you know, it doesn't take very long because you hear you hear your dad say he's a full bird colonel or he's a light colonel, and then you learn the difference between a lieutenant colonel and a colonel. So when I started veterans funeral care, there were things that I didn't know, and I very quickly made my mind up. You know, I can't go to McDill Air Force Base or, or I can't go make a presentation and make a mistake. Uh, you know, in someone's rank, like a, a major, if you look on the, if you look on rank charts, a major and a lieutenant colonel, it's both, it's a, it's a cluster, it's an oak leaf cluster, but one silver and one bronze. So in some cases, you're simply, it, it doesn't, it's not that hard if it's something that you do every day. And then when we, when we teach the Veterans Funeral Care Immersion course to our OGR family, you know, I do have a I do have a, a trick and a twist that we teach them so that they will be able to do it by that by that Good. night they're there all right because you also mentioned there's a difference between a veteran a retired military and what they're entitled to as far as death benefits so explain a little bit of that right a veteran a veteran principally is a person that did not do 20 years my father was an army veteran and when you say hi, I'm uh, I'm I'm thus and so and this and that, and I'm retired military, that denotes that I did at least 20 years, um, you know, because 20 years is the retirement point, um, and 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 so that's the now from a standpoint of of uh, you know when when a veteran dies, they do get different benefits. When a veteran dies in a VA hospital, they're their basic burial awards, $806. Then the funeral home also gets, can claim uh, reimbursement for their removal and for their hearse charge. So typically that's gonna be somewhere, call it in the $1,800 range. If you die at a VA hospital, if you're hundred percent service connected and you die from that service connection, it's a $2,000 check, no questions asked. That's a, being hundred percent service connected veterans, a, a big deal. Um, we have we have plenty of people that call up and say my dad was retired. He was in the Coast Guard for 25 years, and um, you know is he entitled to any any cash benefits? And our answer is if he's if he if he has a service connected disability, then he does. But if he got through his 25 years and and he never got hurt, then his 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 monthly retirement check from the from the Coast Guard. That's it. Now, all veterans and all retired military all share one big benefit, and that is completely free use of any national cemetery in the country. And by completely free, I mean there they two graves are issued, two burial vaults, uh, the perpetual care, the the they're going to share a double marker. Everything they need in the national cemetery is provided for. We we like to tell people. Once you drive through the gates, everything through those gates is paid for at the cemetery. 
Yeah, and I, uh, we have like a state cemetery by us, so we just have to prove residency in New Jersey, 70% of their life, that's it. Yes, yes. A state cemetery all across the country operates 99% like a national cemetery does. And typically the only difference is they'll make a three to a $500 flat charge for the spouse. And that will be, they'll get everything just like the veteran, the spouse will, and it'll be at a $500 uh, charge. Oh, that, that I didn't know be. that because ours doesn't charge at all. They may have waived, they yeah. may have waived off. Uh, yeah. But most states that have a, a state veteran cemetery, wonderful, great honor, wonderful honor, one, wonderful deal. It's intended to be, uh, and it's an yeah. incredible financial benefit. Also, the difference is the type of honor guard they'll get, though, retired yeah. versus veteran. You know, you're... Um, you're good. You're right. The three-man team, or you're going to get the 21-gun salute, or if you're in the National Cemetery like Arlington, the Quezon, stuff like that. Yeah. So that all depends on everything also like yeah one of the we've had a few little um we've had a few cranky daughters in 20 years and a couple of of cranky widows where they wanted to go to arlington and they said i want my husband to have a flyover well it's not this it's not me or you that determines the the honor of a flyover it, it's there but it's not just because you're a colonel and you want one you you're going to have to have a distinguished flying cross. They're going to have to have been a mm -hmm. uh, uh, will have had heroic air-to-air um, -air combat, et cetera, et cetera. So it, yeah, Arlington can be a little testy because the people that the people who go there are, are always retirees or they are highly decorated. My experience with them, and I, I've done a, a few of them, is right now like a three month wait and they want if you're not if you're just a veteran not retired they're only taking cremains in the niche or ground is that the, the state cemetery no in arlington so for, yeah for arlington the the arlington works like a any old national cemetery as long as you're being cremated if right. you want to be buried then the special requirements come for silver star or above right or 20 years retired Right. That gets you casket. Right. If right. you're just a veteran, you, you cremains, and they're still waiting three months to get that schedule in. Yeah, if they've got it down to three months. That's that's good because it, it has been, especially through COVID, it was worse. It was like six to eight months then. Back to oh my god. Yep. Yeah, we got lucky. We just had one, um, and it was it was a three month wait. But again, it was cremains, so they got to take the cremains home. It wasn't so bad. We handled the, the funeral for um, a Hollywood legend. Most people will know the name. Arlie Ermey was a- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugely, uh, we had the honor of, of uh, flying out from Tampa Bay to Los Angeles, spent uh, uh, almost a, an entire week there. And we did, that was in, Gunny Ermey died in April. We did his funeral at his church, open casket funeral in early May. And I wondered, they wanted him buried at Arlington. Of course, he didn't have 20 years, but he made the Marine Corps very, very proud. He was a proud son of the Marine Corps. And you know what? They The earliest date they could get us uh, died on April the 15th, and we buried him at Arlington, his ashes, January the 18th, the following year. Now, I only remember that because it's my birthday. So even for a legend, and, and as you know, 
The only people that that cut in line are KIA. So when we've lost yes. young people mm -hmm. from Iraq and Act Afghanistan, duty, right. they go mm -hmm. to the front of the line, whatever the mother or the widow wants. And I also have, now this is my state cemetery. Um, they'll do veterans, they'll fill the whole board, every slot, no problem, right? You know, whatever's available, if it's available, and you know, they'll, they'll schedule. But spouses, they only do five a day, even if the slot goes unused in case someone dies and he's a veteran or she's a veteran and they need that spot for the veterans because they don't want the veteran to wait seven to 10 days. So you, you run into similar things like that? Yes, we do. And, and honestly, there's been a time or two, like during the, during, uh, you know, all good funeral directors know the Gulf War started, the war part of it, J January the 17th, 1991. Right, right. I know that because it was by, I was given birth. That's how yeah. I remember. And I remember because it was the day before my birthday. So <laughs> the, 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 we had an old sailor, we had a, a chief petty officer, 26 years on a submarine, and his wish was to have his casket buried at sea. Doesn't happen very often, but there is a provision for it. And you can find the paperwork. So it's, it's on our Veterans Funeral Care website. So, so you, it takes preparation. You got to strip all of the, the, uh, the interior out. You strap the veteran, you do embalm the veteran, but there's no interior. Then you add $300 or 300 pounds of weight. And there's a drill pattern you've, that you've got to drill out to make sure that casket is a sieve. So that when we called Norfolk, they said, well, we're, we actually have that on hold. We're, we're at war right now. And I said, well, Lieutenant, I'll, I'll uh, appreciate that, but there's no provision on the regulations that we stop burials in the National Cemetery. And this is considered the same. This is a 26 year E7 chief petty officer in a submarine. And uh, the, the reply back was uh, tragic. And uh, I didn't take no for an answer. I called my Congressman, uh, Bill Young, who they actually, uh, named the, our local VA hospital after him because he was such an advocate for veterans. And I got a call the next day and they said, make your arrangements to ship the casket to Norfolk. Mm. So there are some times when I, you know, you and I, we want to be an advocate for our, for our clients, for our families. And uh, so I, well, I probably would politely push back on that, but okay. it does happen. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Jerry Oliveri with What's Your Edge? And when we return, we will continue our talk with Jim Rudolph from Veterans Funeral Care about veteran services and the portrayal of veteran services, both active and retired military in the movies and the movie Taking Chance. We'll be right back. The Dodge Company has remained on the cutting edge of the funeral supply profession, thanks to our commitment to innovation. We continue to develop the most widely sold embalming machines in the world, as well as new chemicals and solutions for our funeral home customers, including Dispray, which meets and surpasses the CDC's recommended threshold of 70% alcohol, as well as being fortified with a brand new generation of high-performance quaternary ammonium compounds. Put our edge to work for you with our entire product list at shop.dodgeco.com. That's shop.dodgeco.com. Hi, 
I'm Jerry Oliveri with What's Your Edge? And our guest today is Jim Rudolph with Veterans Funeral Care. So back to our subject, Jim, about movies and the accuracy and the portrayal of veterans and military funerals. What do you think? Um, my wife would tell you it's all I, uh, she usually has the TV at night and I watch Netflix or YouTube because that's, it's, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. It's my hobby. I love veterans. I like old military movies. You, you can, you, you can be surprised what you can learn by watching Band of Brothers or Patton, everything that happened in there, you know, they, they have, uh, they have consultants that make sure that the movies are, are depicted correctly. And that's, you can learn about NGO. You can learn about what the, the most people don't know what the Rhineland means, but good, all good funeral directors know the, the battle of the Rhine. We kicked, we kicked the Germans out of Paris. We gave the keys to France back to the French people and made the Germans swim across the Rhine river because we had blown all the bridges up And it. And part of my, uh, I've been called a dork and that doesn't bother me. Uh, part of that is you, you watch, you watch those movies and you will, you will learn. Um, what about the portrayal part in movies about how funerals are run? Cause sometimes I see that, <laughs> oh, well that's incorrect. Uh, but you know, it's, it's well, anyway. yeah, that's, a touchy, that's a touchy subject with me. I still get people that say, uh, oh, you're a funeral, you own a funeral home. Yes. You're a funeral director. Yes. Are you really, really a funeral? Uh, no, I'm really a funeral director. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, well, did you watch, what was the, what was the first reality TV show? It was on, it was on. Mm -hmm. uh, six hey, feet under HBO. Six, six feet under. And I've looked at, I look at all of them and I said, I did see one episode of six feet under. I was in a hotel room. We don't have HBO at our house. Uh, we don't, we don't want it. And I was very disappointed because nothing I saw on six was accurate. Was yeah. accurate. Now, you're familiar, I'm sure, with the Taking Chance movie, where they take the active duty soldier through Dover yeah. Air Force Base and every. I cried twice. I saw it twice. <laughs> I was so proud of, of. Uh, I actually have that on a DVD, and and uh, I I I always give like DVD one and six of Band of Brothers, Taking Chance to new staff members. And I say, watch this and, and I'll take you to lunch and we'll do a little book report. Because I know that if they can watch that, they will, I mean, Taking Chance, Wooden Bomber wouldn't be teary-eyed when you remember the scene where they were mm. cleaning the fingernails of this of this Marine that hasn't, and everybody, all, all of our OGR brothers and sisters need to know that's a real death. Taking chances yes. are a real story. Yes. Yep. And I couldn't have been any prouder of Kevin Bacon. Uh, it, that was that was very well portrayed. Yes. Yeah, he did did an awesome uh awesome. Job. Do you think that um every funeral director should watch it? It should be given out, or I mean something. I mean you know, Jerry, I just I'm starting to that. like you a lot. Yes, I you bet if uh if I was the king of Zamunda, everybody, all funeral directors would be ordered to watch Band of Brothers taking chance. I hate, I love Patton. Uh, there's no, there are no bad, uh, there are no bad military movies. So one of the things that I, I had a funeral um, two years ago, maybe, and it was um, an active duty 
And we went to the airport to get him. He was already done. They flew him because he was in California. So we weren't going to uh, Delaware. So they flew him in. We go to get him in Newark Airport. And as they take him out and, and bring the casket and the coffin draped and the soldiers towards us, they did the um, water arch, the, wa the, spray the water cannons. Yes. Very water nice. cannons. Yes. yes. Very nice. That was like so impressive. So yeah. it kind of, when I was doing that, I, I had already seen Taken Chance several times. I, I reminded me and I was like, that protocol and that how you just stood even more rigid and it wasn't like you looking at your clock saying, how long is this going to take? You wanted every moment and you wanted it to last and be part of it. It was so. You know, for the, for the most part, the National Transportation Safety Board, number one, it's a government job. So veterans get a hiring preference. It's just like a veteran trying to be a fireman or a cop. They get to go to the front of the line. Same thing for the NTSB. And I have, because I'm in a lot of airports, I have seen two or three uh, eye to eye. And I, I have been very proud, very proud of the, of the work that they have done. Yeah. Um, do you think funeral homes near state and national cemeteries have an advantage over funeral homes not near one? Uh, mine's only like 10 miles away, it's state. Um, but nine out of 10 of my funerals are veterans because I am surrounded by 10 senior developments. So they're not from here. We call them transplants. They're from the tri-state area. They move into this development area. They're all from their 60s to 90. I mean, I have a lot of hundred year olds I bury too, but they're all 60 to 90 and they're all veterans. So do you think I have more of an advantage than the funeral homes that are in close to one? I absolutely know that you do. I congratulate you for, don't do me a favor, don't tell everybody, but I'm going to tell you a secret of the Veterans Funeral Care Training, the immersion course that we put our OGR brothers and sisters through. When we finish, I one of the things I do is shake their hand and say, thank you. By the way, you're now the, I told Charles Castilla in Buffalo, you're now the owner of the, the National Cemetery that's being, in fact, it's done now. And and when I trained Rob Christensen in Grand Rapids, I said, congratulations, you're now the owner of Custer National Cemetery. I feel like I am the owner of Florida National Cemetery and they everybody gives me a goofy look. And I say, what would you pay for a cemetery in order to buy one and pair it with your funeral home? And now you're a combo. When your business is veterans, you're already a combo and all I'm asking you to do is give away free graves and give away free burial vaults and give away those monuments. And you know, the cool part is we don't have a mortgage payment. So the, I, I ask every funeral director that, that comes into veterans funeral care, think of that cemetery like you own it, act like right. you own it. Right. Make it easy for our precious veterans to, to afford their funeral by handing up this deed. They've, every veteran has an imaginary deed for two graves, two burial vaults, and a, and a double and a double marker, and and then I and possibly say, a third or fourth if they have uh, dis disabled children, which we're finding more and more of now. You're good, you yeah. you are good. Yes, we we have a lot. It seems like we've had tenish uh, tenish uh, Down syndrome children. Yeah, autistic. Typically, I, yes, and uh, what a cool. Um, 
what a cool benefit that is. And, and something else that I would encourage our, our brother funeral directors uh, right now is that, you know, when the, the director of any national cemetery has a lot of leeway and when, you know, kids die in car crashes and their dads, they're at, they're at home, they're under the veterans care, as you know, they can be, they can be buried in, in any national cemetery. Well, same thing in college. We've actually had kids out of college by a year or, or in between. And uh, I think I, I, I think I probably would admit, you know, there's been a time or two where I've said, yeah, this person, the kid that died is a, is a, you know, a Navy veteran's daughter. She just got her bachelor's degree. And I think she was going back to get her graduate degree at Florida State, bang. And they, they give them the grave, the vault, the marker. They, they yeah. want to say yes. They, yes. It's yeah, I think they're very agreeable. Absolutely. It's, everything's rigid, you know, time slot wise. Yes. <laughs> On time, don't be yes. <laughs> But where, where they have latitude, you know, 80% of the people that work in national cemeteries are veterans. So they mm -hmm. want to say, I, I think the smartest thing they ever did was give them a hiring preference. And that's why the grass looks so good. And it's right. why they're- It's like being a stockholder. Absolutely. But yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Now, would you recommend funeral homes then leading into what you're saying, start hosting seminars to educate and encourage the pre-registration at these cemeteries this way their documentation isn't lost in the move or a nursing home move or something like that. See, at least if they're pre-registered, betcha. a step in, a leg in. Yeah, we actually created a deed so that we could type in this entitles the bearer, Joe Blow, to two graves at Florida National Cemetery, blah, blah, blah. So we created a deed and we did it to try to, to, try to get them to understand this is a big deal. So when we started giving that, that deed away, I started getting phone calls from the National Cemetery saying, you know, of course they love us, but I say, Jim, what's this? And I said, pretty cool, huh? It's a marketing piece to make sure people understand what they have it for. I'm tired of losing veterans to private cemeteries because yeah. the private cemeteries say, oh, they'll give you a plot. They make it sound like it's a potter's it. grave. Yeah. And then all they do is give you a section marked veteran section ABC. Jerry, you're giving your audience good advice. So I want to tell you this. We started renting. We are, we are 72 miles from Florida National Cemetery one way. We're, we're 20 miles from our cemetery in St. Pete, but it's only open for cremation, not casket burial. We started renting a Greyhound bus and promoting it and loading that bus up on a Saturday morning because the National Cemetery is closed. And we go up with a we go up with a loaded bus of veterans and their spouses while they're healthy, while they're looking at free need. We drive around the cemetery and I've got a little map. I know where the we have three Medal of Honor recipients at Florida National. And I we've we've done a map so that we can show them. Here's a, here's a spouse's interment where the veteran isn't buried yet. Here's, and we show them different markers, drive around the cemetery, and then we stop, we go back and we stop at the, uh, not Bob Evans, what's the place that looks like a barn? It'll, yeah, it'll come Cracker to, Barrel. Cracker Barrel. What's the matter there. with us? So we, <laughs> I always put in the little Facebook ad 
that uh, you know we're going to stop at, stop at Cracker Barrel, lunches on lunches on your own, you know, blah blah blah. Now the truth of the matter is, I've never let anybody pay. I always pick up the check, but I don't tell them that in the ad. I don't want anybody going going for the free lunch. That's right. And uh, we we do uh, trivia. We do World War II trivia on the way up, and the winner gets a fifty dollar Walmart card. And on the way back, we do uh, presidential trivia. So it, it makes the time fly. People have a blast, and we it it doesn't cost you a nickel. All you're doing is loaning your company money, and and we get those funerals, we get those pre needs every time, and 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 they're checking in on Facebook. We're going on a bus trip, veterans funeral care. We we have a ball every time. It's a great tool. I would help any anybody wants to talk to me, reach out. But the, the big the big secret on that is to tell people lunch on your own. I don't have a yeah. cheap bone in my body. I just don't want people going that that are plate lickers. So yeah. anybody, everybody should be yeah. treated royally by by us and we we buy it yeah. all. So because we have a lot of transplants here and in that move <laughs> from the big house to the smaller house, sometimes they um, pass away without making any prearrangements and then they don't know where the discharge papers are. Now the spouse or the grandchildren or the children are all looking for it. So by us, besides doing the national uh, records thing, which you can speed up a little, but it takes a while. Our, I'm not sure if it's Jersey or all states. Uh, I'm not sure. They, um, if you submit your taxes, uh, the discharge, they reduce your taxes, your real estate taxes. So you could get 100% free if you're disabled and then it breaks down into different things. So usually that's a suggestion where I say, you know, call the town hall. I bet you they have a copy of the discharge papers. And this way, I know I can get the flag, get you in and get the honor guard. Do you know if that's something just to my area or that's something? Jerry, you're giving all the secrets away. You are absolutely right. One of the things that, that absolutely differentiates the, the Korean War and the World War II veteran is that they were told when they were discharged. Now, men, it was a, that's the world at that time. Men? When you get home, take your discharge and your DD-214 to the courthouse and get it recorded. And you know, back in those days, young people did what they were told. And it's amazing to me. I love our VA brothers and our National Cemetery sisters. It's amazing to me that, that sometimes in the, in the process to try to get them qualified, they will, we can't find a thing. And a and hundred times in my career, I've reached out to the, the, it's always the smart one's always the oldest daughter who's helping the mom and said, where did your, when your dad came back, where, where did your mom and dad meet when he came back from the war? Well, they were in Cleveland. Go to call and check the courthouse and a hundred times they've called up and said, Mr. Rudolph, they handed it to me. You're right. It was there. So, you know, I don't think the Gulf War kids uh, are probably as uh, diligent with that kind of thing, but but you, you, it's amazing to me that when I started Veterans Funeral Care, the branch of service computers did not speak to the national, the national cemetery system computers. And the right. VA computers didn't, didn't speak to the cemetery. So you had to go individually you know, to these people 
you know, you know, why is it that you can swipe your card on a Bank of America uh, ATM anywhere in the world, and in and in 17 seconds they can check your balance, they know how much money you got, and they give you a hundred dollars when you ask for it. So you know, that's that's what I would wish for our our government. And the the VA has gotten much better, in my view, much better. Um, mm. Especially with you remember um, when they had the fire in St. Louis, we're both too young about that. But yes. there was always a problem with verifying discharge papers and recreating the records because they were destroyed in that fire. Yes. And I, I finally met a guy in St. Louis that knew the whole story on that. And he said, Jim, it was a relatively small amount of, of, of documents that were lost in that fire and they have used that excuse for so it was true but it was it was really inflated and the, uh. at the at the end of the day most if you talk to most funeral doctors they would tell you oh yeah they eventually did find it it's a very small number that were lost in the fire but boy they would pull that card out and yeah, use whenever it they could use it i think yeah. now with the, the digital age is so much uh yeah. and better that every time we submit one somewhere to a national or state cemetery, they use it to build that database of missing records anyway. Yes. I mean, that would be the smart thing to do anyway. I'm taking yes. a big, huge leap going for that government knowledge. Absolutely. <laughs> take another quick break from What's Your Edge with me, Jerry Oliveri, as your host. When we return, we'll ask Jim from Veterans Funeral Care about his experience with other funeral homes and directors requesting his help. The Dodge Company was started as a family-owned business in 1893, operating out of the family's home with a lab in the laundry room, manufacturing in the basement, and finished products stored under the porch. In the nearly 130 years since, Dodge has grown into the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of prep room supplies, but we remain a family business. No matter the size of your funeral home, find out how Dodge can meet your needs at shop.dodgeco.com. That's shop.dodgeco.com. Hi, I'm Jerry Oliveira, your host with What's Your Edge? Today's guest is Jim Rudolph with Veterans Funeral Care. So Jim, tell us about the requests you may get from other funeral homes or directors and the funeral care provider network. Um, kind of, yes, yeah, kind of interesting. There are typically two, two telephone calls that I have gotten in, in 20 years. Number one, it's a guy that says, wow, I, I met, uh, Dennis Painter, and he's, uh, I said, oh yeah, how's Dennis doing? Great, great preemie guy, you know, uh, uh, big in Alabama and uh, the, some, some of the Southern states, Louisiana, Mississippi, et cetera. And uh, they said, well, he told me that, that uh, a lot of his clients use, use uh, veterans funeral care as a, as a PR tool and as a, and as a, a, a direct mail you know, something to reach out to the veteran community. And he said, you know, my dad was a World War II veteran. Is there, you know, what can we do to help? How can we get involved? That is a, that's a warm fuzzy for me. But then there will be people that will call up and say, yeah, we were at a, we were at a convention or I was at Cana, your name came up and people were saying some good stuff about it. You know, how much money can I make on this? And, and what does it cost? How much time 
that's that's not my love language. I wanna I wanna hear. We wanna be involved because we wanna serve veterans. And um, um, Kim, Kim. Uh, yeah, there are, it's not a gimmick. Yeah, that's the you know that's the way some of them come across, and um, they they will uh, they want to treat me like a vendor when really I should be treated like a teacher because that's what I am, um, and I just don't uh, I don't I don't do very well with uh, that that second phone call and typically uh, I blow them off. Right. Because you're sharing knowledge that you know and learned as you serve the veterans. And um, not everyone, is, I, I guess, would, in your situation would share it. That You know what I'm saying? A lot of times they go, that's my competitor. Why should I help you? You know, the, the and you're right. Let me just say that, that, um, Crystal Jardine, for instance, what just popped in my head, Crystal Jardine, Jardine Funeral Home, Cleveland, Ohio. When, when we started working with them, of course, the first thing is a training event. And then we find out she brings her grandfather's BD-214. And what do you know? This man has a silver star. Now, in my 21 years, I've probably seen, I don't know, thousand-ish bronze stars, two Navy crosses, maybe maybe 30 silver stars because a silver star will get you to Arlington, a bronze star won't. So being a silver star recipient punches your ticket for the rest of your career. And once Crystal understood what that meant, because if you just read, read Audie Murphy's uh, bio on Wikipedia, get eight silver stars. Typically you've killed 20 Germans or you laid your weapon down and you told the men behind you, cover me, I'm gonna go get Ralphie because he's down in the German. So it a silver star is you you probably should have been dead and you mm -hmm. didn't die. You, mm -hmm. you dummy. And then they decorate you. So the that, you know, she the Jardine funeral home from that day, it's been crystal jar every day. The pride of saying my grandfather had a silver star and awarded to him in Europe. I, I did training for Charles Castilla uh, two years ago. And the fun, and I hope these kids enjoy hearing this. If not, you can cut it out. But he had two managers, two funeral homes and two managers. And both of them had fathers who were career Marine Corps. And when they found out by reading DD-214s what their fathers did and what it, both of them were first sergeants, which are E8s. The highest you can go is E9. And, and both of them were very teary-eyed of saying, why wouldn't our dads have told us this? We're, they were incredibly proud. And I said, you've got to understand there's never going to be a time when a Marine gunnery sergeant walks in from a hard day's work in uniform, takes his 12-year-old daughter. Now she's a funeral home manager. He's not going to put that 12-year-old daughter on his knee and say, hey, baby girl, let me, let me show you what, let me tell you what these medals are. It doesn't happen, Jerry. You know it. No. So the, so the fun that I've had is being the trainer and funeral directors finding out, oh my goodness, my dad did that? And right, right. Watch the new wonder. The, yes. <laughs> oh, they're and they become the best veterans funeral care providers because and advocates. Ab absolutely. And they they're just uh and, and, and I always tell the, the funeral directors that are listening, if you've got somebody 
if you have someone in, if you've got a brother or, or a nephew or, or a niece that is forward in Iraq or Afghanistan, when they come back for the holidays, point your finger at their metal rack and say, hey, what's that for? Their reply will always be, oh, it's a metal. Mm -hmm. They try to, it, the ethos is we don't talk about it. So yeah, either, silent we, pride. That's right. We either know as funeral directors what they are, or we, we bury the secrets of those metal racks every day in right. national cemeteries all around the country. And no yeah. one ever tells the priest, the pastor, the wife, the mom. It's pitiful. Yeah. All right. So what would your recommendations be to become the go-to funeral home for veterans, such as your military vehicle, barbecue show, operation <laughs> for a soldier, soul injury? Um, can you give us more details on those? You know, I was coached. Um, I, was co I was very lucky that uh, I was coached by Dr. Alton Duty, and some people in funeral service will remember he was the guy that invented the the York quarter casket system. He was uh, he sold Batesville their copper yeah. approach. And mm -hmm. we're talking 20 years ago. Well, Dr. Duty was also a Korean War Army veteran, and he loved veterans funeral care. And he coached he coached me as a design expert. He said, Jim, make it more veteran. Take it even push it even higher. Make it more green. Make it more Marine Corps. Make it. And I followed that advice. And the if number one, I would recommend to any funeral director in America, read the book Tribes by Seth Godin. And then you will understand that if you choose to tribally market, I market to veterans, that's a tribe. I, I ride a Harley Davidson. Trust me, that is a tribe. Harley Davidson people don't want to go to a Yamaha store for any reason. Or no, on their body. Totally different. That's right. So when you make an issue, when Crystal Jardine makes an issue, my grandfather is a Silver Star recipient. That makes the veteran go, oh, well, of course she's washing cars today to help the Purple Heart Fund. So everything we do from our military car shows right at the funeral home, we do we do barbecues to raise funds for kids for scholarships for veterans, uh, children and grandchildren. It, it, if you read the book Tribes, you'll see that you must be seen leading the what you must be an advocate for your veteran customer. And, and when the public sees you, you know, I get people literally every day, somebody says, wow, you must be proud of this. I am. And they say, so what part of the service were you in? And I smile and I look at them and I say, I am an army son. It was, this is all about my dad. You do not have to be a veteran to be successful in it. In fact, Admiral Bill McRaven, the guy that wrote the plan, the Navy four-star Navy SEAL that wrote the plan to get Bin Laden, McRaven calls us, Jerry, the veteran family. He, it's always been the, you know, 70% of the people at VA hospitals are veterans or married to a veteran or a KIA's wife will get preference. National cemeteries, it's about 80%. So it's, he calls us the veteran family. It's always been veterans taking care of veterans. And that's, that's what I teach them to do. You know, we give them a marketing plan and we, we coach them. We, you know, the first, your first day is the immersion course. That's where you're going to learn. Rank is the immersion course like two days, three days a week? It's, 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 uh, it's anywhere from a half to three quarters of a day depending on the size of the group. 
Okay. Um, well, I could make it a week, but nobody would want to. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, funeral directors though uh, uh, more important in in their own mind than anybody else's. They got to go. They got to go. You know, my first training with OGR, I had told uh, Mark back in the day, "Let me come train your. Let me come speak to the. I'll just train your board, your funeral directors." And it was a it was a magical, wonderful Disney day. All of those board members signed up, and I've I've heard all over America. It's very humbling. This is so much more than we'd given it credit for, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm not teaching you guys how to put a flag up. Everybody's got a flag up. That's not enough. And, you know, the things they learn, like like active duty veterans are actually sick and tired, and they have been, of people coming up to them say, thank you for your service. They, they blow that. They'll be polite, but mm -hmm. it's hollow. It's, yeah. it's like I, I learned something from my mother and then from my wife. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. Prove it. That's right. And this, our whole program is, you know, collecting toys for the families of, for military families. Every year we go to McGill Air Force Base, 15, 1600 toys. Uh, and, on, and all of our, we teach our providers how to do that. So what, the, what, the what is soul injury though? That one really caught me. Soul injury is a, is a shocking, um, Debbie Grassman has a graduate degree, retired VA nurse. She ran one of the first hospices in a VA hospital in America and just happened to be the one in St. Pete, Florida, which is called Bay Pines. And she identified that veterans died differently than other people. And it's really pitiful. You know, the amount of veterans that are, they're dying and they will say, chaplain, did I tell you that I cut a guy's throat in Vietnam? Yes, you did. <laughs> We talked about, wow. we prayed about that. You know, that's not, that's, that's, that's nothing to worry about. And, um, and so Debbie, Debbie said, there's a deeper, it's not PTSD, it's soul injury. Well, I looked at her like a, like a dog, you know, staring into the headlights. And she said, there are so many veterans, especially in Vietnam, because of the way they were treated. And came and, back, yeah. Yep, they, but they came back with guilt and shame. Soul injury is about them releasing shame from things they did or did not do. So the first soul injury, she calls it a ceremony, soul injury ceremony. I was, I was shocked at the emotional, it was, it was far beyond, it was above my pay grade. You know what, you know what little psychology they teach us at Dupton Jones or, or, mm -hmm. uh, but I've watched people heal and get better, hard men cry. And uh, we actually had a Gulf War 35 year old or whatever that was running our crematory. And he actually was the first person to preview the soul injury video in the conference room at Veterans Funeral. So I'm proud of the fact that soul injury was started in our conference room, uh, Debbie Grassman, anyway. The, the look on this Gulf War kid's face was, it was brutal how he was pulled to it. He was emotional. So I would say, would you say it's fair enough to say that not enough funeral directors are as up to date or educated on the in, ins and outs of the um, veterans statuses and what's available. And then such as your OGR workshop you mentioned, like how often do you do that with OGR? And are there other recommendations or websites to help educate themselves? 
yeah i mean now because because of 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 evan and adeline and nancy the the merchant course is actually online in your in the ogr library so mm -hmm. now uh, i don't have to fly to seattle um they can, <laughs> they can watch it online and uh and then usually what i ask for is a zoom book report i want to i want to i want a conversation so that i can see that they've that they've learned it so it's now easier to do uh cost a couple hundred dollars instead of a couple thousand dollars for me to come out there um uh because so because of them that that's something that i was not capable of doing doing the editing and and uh so because of your team at OGR, you know, that that's a resource now that's that's available. It's made it's going to make it easier for people to come into the network. Well, Jim, I want to personally thank you for sharing all your knowledge with us today. And we always ask as a final question, what's your edge, Jim? Love your love your you shouldn't be doing this if you don't love your customers. And, and I feel I feel lucky and blessed, and I mean blessed as in the God of the Bible, that, that I wake up every day, I feel lucky that I love the work I do, I love the, my customers, you know, get engaged, get in the fight. There's nothing like volunteer and, and PR work to, uh, it'll make your funeral home grow faster uh, and better, it'll differentiate you. So uh, love that red, white, and blue, that's the edge. That's the edge. Go, right. go USA. Go USA. I'm Jerry Oliveri, your host today for What's Your Edge, signing off and saying thank you again to everyone joining us today. Thank you for joining us for season two of the Digital Dialogue series. If you're interested in the Veterans Funeral Care Workshop that Jim mentioned, you can learn more and register at OGR.org VFC. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There, you can check out all our past episodes, plus get season three when we return in 2022.